Welcome to the ASCD Connect podcast, supporting you on your journey as a life-changing educator. Here's your host for today's program. Hi, everyone. I'm Anthony Rabora, the Editor-in-Chief of ASCD's Educational Leadership. Teaching about race or racially sensitive topics is an important but challenging aspect of instruction in today's education climate. What do teachers need to know or do better in order to address racial topics effectively with both depth and sensitivity? What can they learn from other educators' mistakes? To delve into these questions, I'm joined today by Matthew Kay, who teaches English at Science Leadership Academy in Philadelphia and is the author of Not Light But Fire, How to Lead Meaningful Race Conversations in the Classroom. He is also a regular columnist for Educational Leadership, who has written recently about what we can learn from viral classroom controversies on race. Welcome, Matt. Thanks for having me. So I know you do a lot of professional development in schools on leading racial conversations in classrooms. Is there a common misunderstanding you find that educators have about conducting these kinds of discussions or about teaching lessons that cover racially sensitive material? Um, There's a few common misunderstandings, but I think one of the biggest things is that there is a very clear aha moment that resonates throughout the classroom with all of the kids. And if it that doesn't happen that way in that linear fashion, then something has gone wrong. Um, I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions. Like a lot of times some kids will be super locked into what you're doing and some kids won't. Some kids will be have a big change moment and some kids won't. And um, I think sometimes we kind of forget that because that's how it works in Hollywood, right? There's a big moment and everyone clearly gets it all at the same speed, all at the same time. Um, But that's not how things work in the real world. So I think that's probably the biggest thing. So you have to see it as okay to just keep going in those kinds of circumstances. Yeah. It just keeps the forward momentum, just kind of keep hitting singles as much as you can. Um, And I think, um, you know, that's not, popular or that won't get a bunch of, you know, attention for you. But that's the um, consistency that the kids need to see with conversations, that it's not just a one-off and it's not just like one quick thing that can be, you know, 35 kids in a room aren't going to all get things at the same time. Uh, so you're, in your column in our February issue, you write about these viral classroom controversies. These are, these are these really ill-advised, catastrophic lessons, such as a middle passage role play or writing prompt on the question of, is slavery always bad? So these type of things often end up in the local news, as you point out, or viral on social media. And we see them often, especially in February, Black History Month. Why do you think these kind of harmful lesson examples are still so common? Probably a few different reasons. I think... We see something in our heads, in our mind's eye, what success looks like um, the day before, right? And we see that, you know, and and we don't see any of the complicating factors, right? We don't see any of the things that are like, uh, because we're excited about our idea. We don't see how any of it could be misconstrued. We don't see how any of it could be offensive to people who aren't at the top of our mind at that second. Um, And because we're so excited about our own idea, we just miss it, right? And we're like, we take something that could be really grounded in some strong pedagogical, like, you know, you know, I am going to engage my tactile kinesthetic learners by having them do this physical role play. Right. And 
some part of that makes total sense to you. Like you're like this, this will get this kid who has trouble focusing to really lock into this lesson and, and, and feel the power of it. And what you miss are some of the more obvious things about how it's traumatizing, right? Because we are so into our own stuff um, that we kind of forget to problematize it. And I think um, teachers who are brave enough to have these conversations, sometimes some of our weaknesses, myself included, is that we forget to, problem, to problematize our best ideas. We just forget. And so among many reasons, I think that's one of the big ones. We just don't ask ourselves the tough questions about what might happen if. I see. And one of your points is that you know we have a tendency to, to dismiss these examples or kind of laugh at them or say they're blatantly racist, but you're saying we could actually learn from them. Absolutely. So what can we learn and why is this important? Well, I think if it's important for us to learn those lessons about reflection and being more in tune with our students than we might um, naturally be, if that makes sense, like it, 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 and be more locked in, like, how is this working? What is this particular kid likely to say or respond to if I do this? Because um, a lot of these activities, um, you know, some some of them go wrong because they're just poor pedagogy. Like, I don't want to make things too complicated. Like, sometimes it's just it's a bad idea. Like, you don't have a veteran teacher in your ear saying, "Don't do that, bud. Just don't do it. That's 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 awful. Don't do that." Um, which is, might be another issue. But um, like, someone should have told you not to do that. But I think there is a space, especially with the things I talk about in the article, um, with the role plays specifically. Um, where there is some good stuff there. And if we just habitually throw out all role plays, we're missing something, right? Or if we just habitually throw out all role play type writing where they take a character, we miss something, right? Um, and so it's, I'd much rather, I'd, I would much rather have us reflect on big viral incidents and th think strategic and tactical mistakes that were made than just wholesale throw them out. I see. And you make a, a point that there's an important distinction between making students uncomfortable, which is an important part of learning, and making them feel unsafe. So how might a teacher know when they cross that line or are coming close to it? What, what would you say are key things they, they need to reflect on? Well, I think as far as a conversation is concerned, unsafe means something haphazard is happening. It's happening a lot of times. Students feel really unsafe when they feel like their teacher's not in control of the moment, um, which might seem kind of counterintuitive. Maybe that's not the word. Um, like that goes against what a lot of people are saying about being student-centered. Like we should be student-centered in our pedagogy. However, we have to run the room. And I, I'm, no, I'm not so far, I'm not so progressive. I'm not so big on, you know, things to forget the idea that I'm the, I've got to run that room. Like that's my room. And it's very important that it's my room because if I'm going to lead those kind of conversations, kids do not feel safe in a space where like, hey, that adult doesn't have control. Like that adult is not in a space where they can tell my classmates to knock it off. Like my or um, to tell my classmates, hey, that joke wasn't in the right spirit. That's not the spirit of this room. We don't do that here. Like, I do believe in we don't do that here. I do believe in like there's a focus for this conversation and I get to make that call. Now, a lot of times that call is 
very students. <laughs> like it's based on what I've heard from them and what they need. But kids tend to feel really unsafe in environments where, you know, they don't feel like their teacher is running the space. Yeah. And like where the teacher and part of running the space is also where you have these role plays. One reason why it's so dicey sometimes with role plays, if we're not careful and if we're not a little bit controlling, if we're not, if you're sitting in the middle of a role play and the kids just making these creative decisions to make their friends laugh during a role play of a serious issue, you are not controlling that space. And I think that's what makes in particular role play so tough. Uh, what makes it unsafe and not uncomfortable. Uncomfortable is just like you're learning something you didn't know. Like you thought you knew everything and then you find out you learned something else and then that's uncomfortable and that's okay. But if the teacher – there's other things with safety, but I think one of the biggest things on this topic is they've got to feel like there is a boss in the room. Yeah, so there's a lot of intentionality about what you're talking about. Uh, so w what can school leaders do to better support teachers in leading lessons on racial issues, especially given their sensitivity and their potential for controversy? Be very clear. I think I've written about I've written about this, I think. Um, be very clear about what are the things that you have your teachers back on and what are the things you don't. And have the honest, hard conversation with your teachers about that. Like if you're saying, hey, look, the way this community is set up, if a parent, you know, pops off about this issue, I'm going to like – I'm not going to protect you. Like, say it. Like, sometimes these things are like, art, they're not articulated. And I've led professional developments in places where the teachers have seemed a little confused. They're like, okay, it's very nice that you brought, you know, you brought this guy in to do this stuff. Can I do that? Like, the teachers have legitimately been confused about whether or not they're allowed to do the thing that I'm telling them to do, whatever I'm doing in that moment. And the admins in the room have said, like, of course. And I'm like, well, and that seems reasonable to me because they brought me in. So I'm, I'm assuming that it's a yes, but something got lost in translation, right? The teachers aren't certain about, you know, where they have coverage and where they don't. And I think that's the biggest thing. Um, and then also to set up, like I mentioned before, you know, this idea of young teachers, not just young um, novice teachers and veteran teachers facilitating opportunities for them to help each other out and share best practices. Because there's some things where you wouldn't even try that thing if someone had told you about it. Like someone needs to have been in the room a little bit to, you know, in, in front of kids um, to tell you, hey, that's, I know you think this is going to be cool. This is going to be a problem. Right. That important aspect of experience. Um so, as you know, there's been a lot of backlash against teaching about racially focused issues and about curriculum that examines systemic racism and the legacy of racial oppression. So what's your advice to educators and school leaders on holding their ground on the importance of this kind of material being taught in schools? A few things. Um, probably one of the biggest things. It's one of, it's not very inspirational. It's kind of boring, but I think it's very important. Like to ground everything you do in the things you're supposed to do. Like a lot of these conversations that, um, you know, we should be leading about race, about gender, about sexuality, about a lot of these things. Um, 
they have their roots in state standards that we're getting that we're supposed to be teaching or, or, or federal standards or district level standards. Like, you know, these stand, these standards have language about analyzing historical texts. Like if you have a problem, take it up with the people who tell me what to do. With my, you know what I mean? Like a lot of these times these there's actual, we tend to, um, not everyone, but there's a temptation for us to feel like we've got to um, justify what we do with language that's not about academic success. It's about like making our kids better people. It's about blah, blah, blah. But no, it's about teaching. Like it's about this is good learning. And if you are not having some of these conversations when you are teaching uh, – um, like if you're if, – if, if I'm teaching Lord of the Flies and I'm supposed to be teaching the kids about analysis, I'm not doing my job as well as I could be doing if I don't talk about the way that William, Golding's use, William Golding uses indigenous people as a model for all that can go wrong. Like, like if, I don't, if, if, if I don't do that, am I analyzing the book? Like am I? Like, am I analyzing the Odyssey if I don't see, you know, how all of a sudden Polythemus becomes a bad guy, even though someone else invaded his house and make a connection between that and uh, all sorts of conquerors have gone to different places around the world and displaced indigenous people? Am I teaching the Odyssey? Right. Like that's analysis. And I think there are – I think it's important for us to not get so far in the weeds of like trying to make a better society that we forget. No, we're trying to make better thinkers and learners. Um, and I think we forget that. And the problem is making people uh, uh, better, you know, making our students into better people very quickly opens us up into the, the accusations that the bad guys accuse us of. It's, you know, it's disingenuous, but they're like, who are you to try to say my kid should be a better kid? I want him to be this kind of kid. You know, we open ourselves up to that. But if we say, I'm just trying to teach the kid, we, we read in this book. Like, if you got an issue, take it up with blah, blah, blah. But we're teaching. We're just teaching. Um, so, you know, it's not, it's, it's not splashy, but I think grounding everything we do in the standards we are supposed to be teaching is a often missed step. But do you see an aspect where, 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 you know, we do want to make students more aware of these issues and widen their perspective, obviously. Oh yeah. Like we, we, we definitely do, but that often is not the selling point that might work for me in Philly. <laughs> like I can say that. Right. But I would be speaking out of a, you know, that's not going to cut it in some of these communities that where a lot of these brave people are having these conversations. Like I can use that language where I teach. If I'm being honest, I would be disingenuous if I say I couldn't, but I teach in Philadelphia. I don't have to, I don't have to concern myself with a lot of these things that a lot of people, a lot of very, a lot of teachers who are far braver than me are having to deal with every day. Um, and I'm saying for them, they can't approach it the same way I do. And I think I would be, you know, something would be wrong with me if I were to say, well, just tell your parents I'm trying to, no, 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 Like You have to find other ways of explaining why it's important that these kids have these conversations. Okay. That's all the time we have for this episode, I'm afraid. Thanks for sharing your expertise and insights, Matt. And thanks to all our listeners for tuning in and for your interest in this important topic. To read more of Matthew Kay's work in educational leadership, 
go to www.ased.org/el.